0: Welcome to Game Talk Radio, your hosts, Greg and Jen, bringing you their take on this week's hottest gaming news. Thank you again for the intro, Steve, and welcome everybody back to Game Talk Radio. This is episode six. Six. Wow, we're already six weeks into this shindig. Wow. All right, well, no messing around today. We have so much stuff to talk about, we're just going to go right into it. So... The first big thing that I caught my um, a lot of people text me about actually, and it caught my attention obviously because of what I do, is that GameStop stores now every GameStop store is now accepting retro games. What's funny is I had a few people text that to me. Obviously, being the owner of GameTrade, they're like, "Are you worried, man? What's going on?" And GameStop's actually been doing this for quite a while. It's been about a year, a year and a half. They've been mm-hmm. doing it in a lot of stores. So for me. This actually wasn't new news at all. I was just, you know, kind of, eh, whatever. And, but I had a few people like, measure me, oh, are you worried, man? What's going on? Are you nervous? Are you nervous? And I can't really say I'm nervous because my business philosophy has always been do the best you can do. If you're so worried about the competition and looking around to everybody else, then you may have already lost. Not that I don't take competition seriously and I don't take it into consideration, But if you need to see somebody else doing something good to make you better, then you probably have a, you have a problem already. So I just always try to do the best we can do. And that's all you can really ask for, I think. So we try to be the best store we can be at all times. And, you know, we look at what the competition doing, whatever. Um, I do have some concerns about them though, because what I don't like about is how they do it. So all the stores take in the product, but then they ship it to a central shipping warehouse, which is in Texas. And they only sell the stuff online.
1: Right. So it's not pretty, it's not useful for people who are serious collectors. Because really all they can do is sell.
0: Right. Well, the biggest issue I have with it is one, I, I do believe that like the Green Bay market's a smaller market. So if you if you consider that, imagine people that take the games there, they just get shipped right out of town. Yep. So there's no, like at least if it gets sold to us or to somebody else locally here in town, then it stays in town you know, for the most part. So that's the only thing that bothers me is they're kind of taking an influx of all the local stuff and then they're shipping it out. Right. Um, otherwise, you know, pricing-wise, they, they, for current systems and stuff like Xbox 360, PS3, PS4, they kind of set the price because they're the biggest retailer of used video games. So this could help normalize the market. If they have a stock of, say, Zelda Ocarina of Time, you can get it there for 30 bucks. You should see every store normalizing the prices around that. Because you got to go against the big competitor, right? right. Uh, but it's one of those things that it doesn't bother me. But obviously, I wish they didn't do it, <laughs> because then that would just mean you know that we could get more great stuff. And I think my concern always is that uh, they're going to not offer as you know a good a price as I might be able to offer. And that's not always the case. Sometimes they will probably could beat me too. You know, I'm not I'm not taking this to like poo poo on GameStop. You know, uh, but I I just. You know, I worry that some people just don't... They just go in there not knowing there's other options, and they won't do the smart thing and, like, shop around and make sure they get the best deal. Because they kind of have the name recognition already. Like, everyone, you know, thinks go there for video games, you know? I don't. (laughs) Well. (laughs) But, but it's how it was, you know, and they, they have, obviously they're a multi-billion dollar corporation and they have tons of stores all over the place. So it makes sense. But, you know, it is what it is. But I just thought that was interesting. And, and a lot of people asked me about it and were like, what's your take on this? And they're like, oh, they're cutting into your business. I'm like, no, I mean, to be fair, I was trying to cut into their business, you know. Yeah, yeah, before. <laughs> before they ever tried to quote unquote cut back into mine. But I also believe that used video games are like an ecosystem. And when you have a really good area and a bunch of good stores in one area, I think you'll get a lot more people. Like, we actually see people come up from Chicago because they know that Green Bay has a bunch of cool stores to check out. You know, and Green Bay and Appleton, I should say. So, you know, it, it's all good. It brings it all together, but it doesn't bother me personally. I, I'm always going to do the best I can do, and, you know, it's all you can really do. There have been some reports of some really strange stuff. Like, there is a really rare Game Boy Color game called Shantae.
1: Shantae.
0: Uh, and apparently that's a game that they're paying $30 for right now. And okay. they're selling it for three hundred.
1: Whoa!
0: So three hundred—I believe it's about what it's worth. I actually haven't looked it up in a while. I've never had one in the store before, uh, but I haven't. So I haven't checked eBay trends. And I don't mind what they want to sell it for, but what I can't ever get over is when they have a game that expensive, how little they're willing to pay for it.
1: That's just a jerk move. I just, well,
0: it just—well, it just—that's—that was part of the reason I wanted to leave GameStop. You know, obviously, for anybody who doesn't know, maybe they don't know, I should say the listeners, I worked at GameStop for 11 years, and I was trying to go through the corporate uh, chain there, like I was actually trying to get promoted, and then eventually ended up leaving to open up Game Trade, uh, which hopefully you guys all know and love, and uh, you know, GameStop always kind of had things like that. Like, I felt like sometimes someone, like a little kid would come in with a handful of DS games, and telling them what they were getting for everything. Like it's a DS and like it's a whole pocket full of games and you're giving them so little, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and kind of what we do is, you know, not to like get too much in the business side of it, but we're able to pay more than they do on trade-ins and sell them for less than they sell them for. And so we we end up cutting them on both ends. Mm -hmm. And so I just, you know, which again, I get that luxury because I'm kind of a little guy going after the giant and they don't care who I am. They don't care about my store. So they're not trying to compete with me because I'm a nobody but but I just found that interesting, you know, that that uh, that sometimes I feel like they're just, they're outside the bounds of decency when it comes to trade prices. And this is one of, you know, so there's a couple changes. So with retro games, obviously, this is something I've told customers many times right to their face. With retro games, you're always going to make more money selling it yourself. That's just the truth. If you went on eBay, you're going to make way more money than even if you sold it to me. But the difference is that you're essentially paying us for the service of selling it for you. So if you think about that, so say we pay like 50% of a game's retail value, you bring it into us, we'll clean it up, we find a buyer for it, we sell it to them, we guarantee it, we, we kind of do all that stuff. All you have to do is walk into a store, give us the game and your driver's license, and then you walk out with cash. So it's a convenience fee if you want to think of it that way, you know? It's
1: like when you when you go to those, we sell your stuff on eBay stores. Sure. They're really just, they're hanging on to it, and they're providing the, making a post, monitoring the auction, and shipping it, packaging it, and shipping it out.
0: Exactly, you know, so it, it is what it is, I guess, but... It is a service that we would offer. I guess I would say so. You're you're always going to make more selling it on your own, but now whenever there's competition, that's always best for the customer. So if you guys always shop around, and if you ever go somewhere and you see that someone's got a better price than someone else, always let that place know. You know because sometimes they'll price match. Like we try to price match everybody. You know we try to stay competitive. Uh, especially if on eBay you can get it like five or ten dollars cheaper, we'll totally adjust the price on the fly. It just depends on what it's actually going for you know that's sure. you know we, we base our prices based on a bunch of things like what the price is after it's sold with shipping and all that sort of stuff but um but yeah so I just thought that was interesting so now every GameStop store is taking in trade-ins but you know I don't think much is going to change the ones around here we're taking them in for the last year or so and you know without naming names there were a couple stores that People bring stuff to them and they're like, "Oh, it's not a very good deal. Why don't you go to Game Trade instead?" <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm very thankful for. I have, I have some really great friends that still work there, and some really great people that are so good at taking care of their customers that that's what they want to do to help them out. Which I find awesome because that's really good customer service. Like if I don't have something, it's good service for me to recommend where they could go get it. I could say, you know, "Oh, well, I don't, I don't know," because I don't want to quote unquote send them to a competitor. But that's not good service. Mm-hmm. The better service is helping them find what they really want. So, but yeah, so there's that. Uh, if you guys have anything you want to sell, we'll happily take it. But you know, GameStop's taking it too, I guess. So, man, <laughs> we're we're spreading the good word for GameStop, letting everyone know. Everyone's gonna be like, I didn't know they were taking it. Yes, now I can take it there instead of Greg's store.
1: Well, you drive like <laughs> an extra two minutes to get to your store from any GameStop. So, well,
0: and my store has me and Dave. I mean, can't. You can't beat that. You can't beat Dave's anything. And now Dom. And now Dom. That's right. Yeah. So, but that's it.
1: Yep. Okay. Next story. Uh, last week, we talked about the Nintendo Switch. Yep. And Nintendo is comfortable letting us all speculate about what the specs are, what the release date is, how much it's going to cost... Because they're not live streaming anything about the release until January 12th of 2017,
0: which is a really, really far away. As really far as I'm concerned, really far away. But at least they showed us something, and at least they told us when they're going to show us the rest. So, like when we were waiting for the initial switch video to come out or the name of it or anything, we had no idea. And you had all those crazy theories on reddit that you're reading (laughs) and the nintendo (laughs) subreddit where people were just going ham on different ideas like
1: they had the whole calendar and
0: yeah yeah they're like oh this this is a special event i'll bet they do it here you know and then end up being pretty much exactly what i said where they all of a sudden would announce they would do a a nintendo direct which is just a short video and then they introed it and yada yada and then we got what we got so it's interesting that they decided to pick a date that far out a very specific date But I'm glad because that should mean that maybe they are still planning for it to come out in March, which would be awesome. Uh, And then, you know, they'll have the package details, the price, probably pre-orders will open on that day. So all that kind of important stuff will come out on that day, which should be a couple months before the system actually releases. Well,
1: also, because it's so far out in advance, it makes me think that the games that they have that are going to be on that console either need more time or require more time and will actually be super involved games or requiring a lot of whatever it needs to in order to be on that console
0: well and there was uh originally it was supposed to there was rumors it was going to come out before christmas which nintendo doesn't miss christmas season very often like they that's a thing they take very seriously but then you know then all of a sudden the early stuff was like oh it's going to come out in march and there were rumors that they pushed it back because they were looking into, like, VR options and stuff like that, oh, which, sure. ugh, you know, we already have, I think, too many VR options. And oversaturation can kill that market before it has a chance to start. So I don't want them to do that. I just want them to make, like, a regular system. It would just be great. But to, to go along with your story, earlier today I just read that there is a new rumor out that it is going to be a touchscreen. Oh. Which I'm totally okay yes. with. I'm totally okay with it as long as it's, it's not two screens and, you know, as long as it's something you can use your hands with. If it has a really nice, you know, if it has a really nice touchscreen like the Vita did where you don't need a stylus or anything like that, you can just, you know, really nice like a glass screen in there. Make it Make it fancy and like not easily scratchable. I'm cool with that.
1: I didn't see... Any- Nobody touched the screen.
0: Nobody in that video did touch the screen. I actually thought maybe that it wouldn't be touchscreen based on that because they didn't show any sort of interactivity with the screen at all. But they, you could tell in that video they just wanted to like, they were just trying to show off the, you know, the, the switching capabilities is sure. what they were really going for.
1: And, you know, obviously because since they've released those production stills and, and images of what the Switch looks like, a lot of people have said that the Switch looks like a puppy. Like with oh, yeah. Ears. <laughs> yeah, I saw that picture. <laughs> Which I think is funny, and has nothing to do with what we were talking about. But its I think it's fun to speculate, but I don't know how much more we can
0: speculate other than we just have to what do, games. We just have to do what is impossible for us gamers and game lovers to do, and that's just be patient and wait. <laughs> <laughs> that's just what we don't want to do. Actually, Nate and I were having a really interesting conversation the other day. Because he had read some article or there was some rumor started that, that in uh, handheld mode that the device ran to lower frames per second and it was underpowered when it was in handheld mode. And, you know, and we kind of went back and forth a little bit on it. Personally, like that video, that whole video was a marketing thing. Most likely the video you saw was added in post. Oh, production most
1: definitely because
0: that's just not something that captures really well like screens don't capture well onto screens when you're recording so for anybody out there who is looking to like record gameplay it's like that's why you know if you ever try to use a camera to like record you playing on the tv flicker yeah,
1: because of the refresh
0: yeah it, it you'll you'll see that you know in older tvs you'd see like the scan lines going through mm-hmm. and stuff like that so uh you know so we went back and forth a little bit on that but there's some interesting theories out there that will be underpowered when it's not in the dock things like that i personally think that the dock is truly just a battery-charging video output station. Oh, for sure. Um, I, don't, I don't think there's going to be any sort of graphical difference. My only real concern with it is the battery life. Because if you start putting all this power into a really cool handheld, then all of a sudden it just drains battery. You know, I, So you might have a four- or five-hour battery, which for a handheld nowadays, I guess is starting to become the norm. But DS, Nintendo systems typically had a 10 to 12 hour battery life if not more so. Sure. But they've been consistently going down as the systems get more powerful.
1: Well, and that was something that I had a I voiced a concern about when we originally talked talked through the Nintendo Switch that if you're constantly charging while it's docked, does that affect the battery in a negative way, meaning it's continually charging so it doesn't have a chance to kind of drain itself? Right which is what you're supposed to do with batteries instead of just having it continually charged. Yeah, they,
0: they say you lose battery capacity by only discharging like half a battery, then recharging, then discharging a half or a quarter, then recharging. Like they say that's bad for it. Like you should drain it really low, then let it back up. Mm-hmm. I don't know the specifics of that scientific field when it comes to <laughs> batteries, but that's what I've always read. So
1: so no new information, just a lot of speculation. So
0: maybe the touchscreen, you know, that's, it's a, that's a nugget. Oh, and it's
1: all, it's a all one of those things where it's like you, you're just not gonna know until they actually come out and say it. Which sounds really duh, but
0: So here is I'm gonna throw a prediction out to everybody. That's
1: prediction.
0: Here's a prediction. Okay, here's my prediction. <laughs> okay. The system, the Nintendo Switch, is gonna come out at two forty nine ninety
1: nine. Why do you say two forty
0: nine ninety nine? I just sounded like a good number. But I think that it's gonna come without the dock. It'll be just the tablet basically the, the handheld part of it, you will be able to buy for one ninety nine ninety nine. dollars 99 I think that's how they're going to price it, so that you or you can buy a bundle, maybe $199 and $299 with the dock and a Pro Controller or something like that. And who knows, Nintendo might not even have their bundles figured out yet, which is why they haven't said anything about it yet. But that's where I think the price point needs to be. If they can get the handheld sub 200 because we're all paying $160 to $200 for 3DSs right now, so clearly that's an acceptable number, but if you try to make us buy the whole thing for $300, I don't know if it's going to hit the handheld market. It might. It might be too expensive for handhelds, and then the console people will look and say it's an underpowered console. You know, so it might miss both. But anyway, that's a prediction. So we'll we'll go back on episode six here when we hear the information, and we will cover how close I was, <laughs> and, or how far off I was. So we'll, we'll we'll see how all this knowledge I've been accumulating over the last couple years of this <laughs> industry that I love so much. We'll see. We'll see how much of it paid off in that uh, in that guess, that educated guess of mine.
1: <laughs> Sounds good. Okay, so let's see. Our next article or story or thing happening in the The, the, ne- news. the next
0: piece of news that we found interesting
1: ah, <laughs> is right now there's actually a voice actor video game or voice actors for video games strike happening as we speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, voice actors are on strike against video game companies. Uh, about mostly about their pay and some about transparency.
0: Sure. So they said the two main things they cared about were transparency and secondary compensation.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: those are two big things. They have other concerns that they've noted, things like like actor safety and stuff like that. But I think those are little issues that they're kind of wor- that those Those are easy things that they've worked on, but the two that they're getting hung up on are transparency, uh, transparency, excuse me, and secondary compensation. So by transparency, their main complaint is that a lot of the times they get hired or they get they interview for a job, like we all would, uh, you know, you're auditioning for a job, they won't tell you what game it's for because they're worried about leaks and apparently it's so commonly leaked on people's, like, LinkedIn and other professional business-like uh, accounts on different sites uh, job, job type things like, you know, the reference sheet essentially. Mm-hmm. So apparently there's so much that going on that bloggers and stuff will read common voice actors, LinkedIn profiles oh, looking for these. Like, yeah. Oh, he updated his LinkedIn profile and then it looks, Oh, he just did a, he just worked on the new call of duty game. They hadn't announced that yet. So we know the name of the new call of duty game. You know, they're trying to get a scoop. They're yeah, like a, a reporter and all
1: that. Well, yeah. you know, and we, as we were talking about this, what I had said was that I'm so surprised that more video game companies, and maybe they do this and they're just not talking about it, because I think if if they do have something like non-disclosure agreements, you know, they require all voice actors to sign a non-disclosure agreement, not to talk about the game and to talk about it like, if, in your example, the LinkedIn profile, maybe they just say, I worked for Activision on an untitled game, and I was a voice actor or female voice actor, or maybe not even just, not even do, like, that much. Just say I was a voice actor for this game, for this this company, and not mention the game and put a little preface on there that says game title to be added later or or after release. But I'm so surprised if they're not signing non-disclosure agreements, well, then they don't really have a leg to stand on because they never told them not to tell anybody (laughs) right
0: (laughs) well and i guess part of the argument makes sense on both sides for me so i understand where the actors are coming from because they they claim that they can't make proper job choice decisions on accepting a role if they don't even know what game it is i don't necessarily buy that because if, if somebody said hey we need you for a war game that you're gonna be playing a rough and gruff military sergeant you know, okay, I, I think that should be enough for this person sake. It's not like they're going in and saying, well, we can't tell you what you're going to do, we can't tell you your lines until you accept the job. And then they accept the job and it ends up being like a pornographic game or something. And they're sure. like, hey, I didn't sign up for this. It's not like that.
1: Well, and you know what, I think that, you know, at least in my experience... When you have an audition, you know there's like cattle calls where just a bunch of people show up. This isn't like that. It feels like the video game industry, specifically with voice actors, is a pretty close knit community, and it's a small community. Has for sure. you know the the regular players and and everything. It just feels like you would get the generalized. You're going to be playing a very well versed in weaponry woman and you're a, you know, adventurist and you climb a lot of shit and <laughs> or whatever. And you can be very general about that and kind of get a feel for your character, but it's not until you sign the contract or they're like, oh, you're playing this character for this video game.
0: Right. And And I understand where the where the game companies are coming from because in this day and age like in the quote-unquote information age everything gets spoiled you've got people 24 7 digging through websites digging through everything trying to find a hint of anything so they can be the first to break the story and and all this sort of stuff so they also like to and i think that you know voice acting is typically something that's recorded fairly early on in the creation process you know, I mean, there's obviously fill in later, but it's somewhere near the middle of production, so they don't wanna they don't wanna be in the middle of production and then all of a sudden have all their stuff leaked when they still have a year or two to go on the game, you know, right. perhaps. So I understand where the game companies are coming from. You know, you won't hear me like stand up a lot for like EA and Activision, but that is I, I do believe that they're fair in doing that. So hopefully this just comes to an end soon and they get it worked out. Now, the other part of it, which is a little more interesting, I think, is the secondary compensation. So there's some interesting language there, because they're referring to secondary, secondary compensation as essentially royalties. So a lot of voice actors are saying, well, I want to be able to have in my contract, I want to be able to get another 10% of total game sales or something. That, that's probably way too high, because that's what an actor would get. Let's say like 0.2% of the total game sales they would get back. And the game companies are bucking against that for two reasons. Well, for one, they don't don't want to call it secondary compensation because they don't want it to become a standard in the industry where people can write secondary compensation or royalties into their contracts. They're trying to put up a wall against a standard that a few voice actors are trying to set. And two, the game companies, as far as I can tell from the articles we've been reading, are basically making the argument that a voice actor doesn't add extra sales on top so say you had a big blockbuster movie and you throw on you know Nicolas cage (laughs) so you (laughs) you put you put nick cage on the on the movie a bunch more people will go see the movie that are his fans that's the idea that's why actors get paid so much because they find these big name people to fill a role their argument is that if you put on the box nolan north voices this character it's not going to sell another copy of the game I think that's debatable, but I think for the most part they're right. I don't think I've necessarily bought a game just because a voice actor was in it. But I'll go see a movie because a certain actor's in it who I really like.
1: I think that where the difference is, is if they do like that very realistic image capturing where the person who's playing or, or doing the voice acting is also doing the uh motion capture, the the facial capture. I'm thinking games like LA Noir or that promo that we saw for Call of Duty where the guy that plays Jon Snow.
0: Yeah, he's yeah, exactly. Like he's fully 3D modeled, scanned right. into the game and voice acted. Yep.
1: I think that's a different that's a different type of promotional sort of thing for a video game, whereas voice acting is just voice acting. I wouldn't go out and seek a video game that somebody that I really enjoy as an actor who also voiced a character in this video game, I wouldn't go out and buy it.
0: Yep, And I don't think that having an actual actor in the game helps sell that game either. Although you... I mean, maybe I'm wrong on that because the actor I wish I knew is Kit Harrington, right? That sounds that right. right. Okay, so him... Like, there might be people that see him and go, oh, he's in the new Call of Duty. I really want to pick that up. Obviously, Game of Thrones is huge. Okay. But I remember, let's let's take Metal Gear, for example. So when they announced that David Hayter wasn't going to be the voice of Snake, there was a huge community uproar. And there were a bunch of people. Now, these are forum-goers and such. You know, I didn't have an actual conversation with them, but there were a lot of people that seemed like, I'm not going to play this game if they don't bring the original voice actor back. Okay, so there's possibility that they would lose some sales by switching. And then they added uh,
1: the voice of uh, Big Boss' is
0: Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah. So I don't know if... And again, I don't think this is actually Konami's decision because he was way more expensive than David Hayter, so I'm pretty sure this was a <laughs> Kojima decision uh, who's who's just fascinated with Hollywood. So I think it was his decision to pay this actor a whole bunch of money arguing that the game will sell better with a big-time actor in it, but they didn't pitch him as being like... like you never saw his name on the box, and you didn't see commercials where it's like, Kiefer Sutherland was voicing this character so they didn't market it that way and I don't think that would have even helped anyway I think that game always had its own legs to stand on I don't think it needed a a big actor to somehow take it to mainstream levels because you know it was never gonna it was gonna get there on its own basically
1: well it's kind of like the movie um the Studio Ghibli movie Princess Mononoke it wouldn't uh, you could make the argument that that movie, it didn't do that great when it was released as a dubbed version in the United States, but they got big name celebrities to dub it, so Gillian Anderson comes to mind. She did part of the, the, vo- the voice work of that. And they really marketed and pushed it as being, look at all these celebrities. They're sure. they're in this foreign film that you have no interest in, but you should watch because they're in it.
0: Because celebrities.
1: Because celebrities. And I mean, truth be told, I've seen both versions. I much prefer the Japanese version cuz I'm more of a sub than a dub person. But I, I didn't go and, and go see it in the theaters because I wanted to see Jillian Anderson voice a giant wolf mother. And, uh...
0: Right, right. <laughs> and, and I think of movie's like Final Fantasy: Spirits Within, which was a really beautifully done CG movie. So it just wasn't. Pretty. It just wasn't a good Final Fantasy story. Yeah. So it didn't go well together. But that had. Like, what was it? I think it was Alex Baldwin, and like, it had a bunch of big name people in that. I mean, it was just, Ellie just, <laughs> they just had a, a bunch of like A list, you know, sure. like they paid a bunch of money for this like A list, you know, Hollywood crew. And that, de- I mean, I would argue that a bunch of people might have gone to see that because of the voice acting. But again, that's different from games. Like, like animated studios are still doing this. Like, all those animated movies now that are really big by Pixar and by, um, What's the other one? DreamWorks. DreamWorks. So th- those always have big name actors, and they and they sell those as such, and they even they even make the characters kind of look like the voice actor doing them. Right. You know, right. So I mean, and that helps sell it. You know, I mean that that helps sell that movie. I think. So, but it's
1: different from a video game. It it still is, and I don't know why.
0: I think it's because video games are still a new medium. In, in, yeah. in, in retrospect, like so
1: compared to movies,
0: right? And we've only really had voice acting in video games since the 90s, mid 90s.
1: That's also a very good. So
0: point. we've only really been, you know, had this sort of thing around. And anytime there's a new industry that pops up, there's always the first people in before all the regulations and everything take in. They really take advantage of everything to, to you know, to make the most success possible before the too many rules come in. Sure. And I think we're still kind of in the wild west of game development right now. With things like this, but obviously we're starting to see the real world catch up. So we've got voice actor strikes like before you never have a voice actor strike like in the early 2000s because people were just trying to get hired as a voice actor. They wouldn't care. You could, you could treat them like indentured servants and they were just like, well, as long as I get the job so I can have it on my resume Mm -hmm. as opposed to, you know, now they're in a position where they could say, look, every game is voice acted. So.
1: It's just really funny that you know we're giving the perspective kind of from the voice acting or the voice actor perspective but I'm looking at an LA Weekly article okay. that really skews the 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 strike and puts actors voice actors in a really negative light.
0: Would you argue that they put them on blast?
1: Okay. I don't know what yes. that means. Okay.
0: Okay. God, we're so old. That's what the kids say nowadays. When oh, you, they when you do? When make make you make fun of someone really good, you say you put them on blast.
1: Is that like on fleek?
0: I think that's different things.
1: Basically. I think that is different.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, I, But you were saying, I'm sorry, back to LA Weekly. But
1: LA Weekly has an article that says, Video game voice actors make $800 a day, but they want more.
0: <laughs> that is a great headline. That is a terrible I mean, <laughs> It's totally,
1: like it's completely the opposite <laughs> of what we've been talking
0: about. That's fantastic. They're they're basically, oh my goodness, well, this is great. Okay, yeah, sorry, so I, like, I had to list this because I didn't I didn't know you brought this up. This is great.
1: Right. So of course, voice actors are on strike against video game companies, largely based here, meaning L.A. Over their measly pay, about eight hundred and twenty five dollars for a four hour session of work, you could barely eat first. At first at Whole Foods, then at Masa, and finally at Providence for that kind of cash. Wow. I'm sure that those are all LA places. Who,
0: who but... is who is this writer who's so angry at video game actors?
1: Well, his name is Dennis Romero.
0: <laughs> I just he's so angry.
1: It's very very angry, but he goes on to say that it, it Act, voice actors are holding out for residual compensation, a fact of life for film and television actors, but not for vocal-only talent. Mm-hmm. The union also wants the producers to reveal the titles of games, some of them blockbusters, that actors are otherwise blindly voicing. The game makers have kept titles secret out of competitive concerns. Uh, it's it's very it's a very negatively skewed. It's saying, "Look at these poor me voice actors. They get paid all this money and they want more and they want more and they
0: want more." This, well, it's funny they talk about that $850 for a 4-hour session. So there's maybe a total of mm, like 10 4-hour sessions you would probably ever record for a video game, you know, like realistically. So they sign a contract and they voice act that. So, okay, so you've got What's that? So let's do that's a thousand. Let's eight hundred and fifty bucks. You know, times that. So it's eight eighty five hundred dollars for the job. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that job was if it's ten sessions. Let's say it's four hour session a couple times a week. So it's like a couple months, and then they have no guarantee of job after that. Right. And that's not like an actor who makes like ten million dollars on a film. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy. Like, like like they act like that's so much money. I mean. Obviously, to us, that's a lot of money, I would love to get paid $800 for four hours of work, but that, I mean, this person's really the writer of this article is really angry and negative now go back down there actually because I, I was reading it as you were talking okay and read that paragraph there about, about jennifer hale so she does different voices for like world of warcraft and halo mm-hmm. um, i believe she's also the voice of female commander shepherd in mass effect i could be wrong but i believe I she is. have no
1: idea i believe she is so she said that uh she told national public radio that health on the job was also an issue so this goes back to well what does that really mean mm-hmm. uh let me hear the sound you'd make if you were slashed by slashed in half by a sword, she said. <laughs> well, how about if you're struck in the heart by a bullet? How does your throat feel? I have friends who have had to have surgery because of the vocal stress they incurred in the session, and they've been out of work for months.
0: Mm, okay. Oh, I'm okay. You Want
1: me to read that part in the parentheses? Sure. Yelling out oranges for sale at the side of the freeway all day, is not half as unhealthful. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> I, I like where this article is going. I'm on the voice actor side for the most part. That's ridiculous. I no, think that's pretty that's, unfair.
1: No, that's... Okay, you can... Vocal strain is a real thing. It
0: absolutely is. I went and saw a Trivium in concert, and that dude screamed at us for like an hour and a half, uh-huh. but he drank honey. I mean, there's things you can do. Like well, there the, like, are things you can do. There are ways you can do.
1: There are ways that you can take care of your voice and do yes, things. Yes. As I've not been professionally trained vocally but I've been trained to do vocal performance and there's a right way to sing and there's a wrong way to sing there's warm-ups you should do and it's it's all about being smart about your voice so if you're screaming there's a right way to scream
0: well and I, I feel like every job has some sort of negative impact on your body if you're working all day and you're standing your knees and your ankles and your feet hurt if you're in a factory, your back hurts or your arms hurt from lifting. Like every, everything you do, every job you have is going to take a toll on you somehow. So I think that's a little unfair to say that's so about the health of the actors. It's, it's, it'd be different if she said the health of the actors and then they went into like, they had to go into a voice recording booth and then the, they had 10 minutes to record a line before the walls came in and <laughs> squished them to death. <laughs>
1: Like, a la Star so, yeah, Wars. yeah, they're like're like shoot.
0: They're like, we want you to be very scared while you read this. So we threw a whole <laughs> bunch of rabid porcupines into the recording studio with you. and then and then if they did that, People would be like, oh my God, I'm so scared. And then, you know, okay, that that's putting your health at risk. But inherently with every job, there is a health risk doing what you do. Like with me, I have stress pads at work, but I stand for 10 to 11 hours a day and I'm walking around, my feet hurt like every day. And sometimes, you know, my back like hurts, like I'll get a knot in my back from standing all day the wrong way or, right. you know, something. And so we all inherently have that. I'm with them. I'm on their side. I think that they can use more compensation. I think they should if a game does really well and they and they add value to that. Like if they're like Mass Effect's a great example because that was such a story-driven game. Sure. Most people played that game because of the dynamic story and because of the voice acting was really good and, you know, this this awesome story. Well, she definitely and then Mark Muir I think is the guy who play who voiced Male Shepherd. So they, they made that game more enjoyable. They should enjoy some of the success of that. And again, that's all writing it into the contracts, but, you know, it, yeah, I, I just felt like that was love on. I'm, I'm with wow. her like 99% of the way. I,
1: I, I can sympathize with what she's talking about because vocal health and, and having vocal strain is a very serious issue. I mean, you can get vocal cord issues that require surgery. It's, I think it's called vocal cord paresis. It's what, um, art garfunkel struggled with for so many years okay. and he had to have vocal surgery i'm pretty sure and his voice sounds completely different notwithstanding the fact that he smoked for decades right. that's not the point but <laughs> uh but vocal cord pre par- so I, i'm sorry i'm just totally butchering that sure but it's like a vocal cord paralysis okay that you get and vocal strain and uh, and all of that there's only so much you can do but a person who works with a, with their voice it's it's their livelihood so why wouldn't you be doing the things that you need to do in order to preserve that right and i think that when you're doing something as intensive as screaming like you've just been shot or slashed or, or, you know, or in the process of getting murdered. I'm sure that there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. And maybe these people who have had to have surgery were doing it the wrong way. Maybe they, maybe they were doing it the right way. And it's mm-hmm. just the continuous vocal strain. I don't know. But I can see that that could be a very serious issue. And I would hope that being part of a union, they mm-hmm. would get some sort of benefits package as being part of the union. I don't know how those unions are. Yeah, work. I
0: would assume so, but I like this last one too. This talks about this goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning. So they talk about additional compensation. And the voice actors want to be referred to as secondary payments so that they can, you know, enjoy the success of the software title with them. Sure. And that's what they're trying to block, is they're trying to block the wordage, which is just the verbiage, I guess I would say. Yeah. The wordage. Wordage works. Word, the word verbiage. Word verb. And so they're saying they don't want to start calling it secondary compensation because that will set a trend of oh now I can do secondary, you know, payment for this for that for that. So so I understand where the companies are coming from too. Like they have to protect their assets as well, and they're trying to get the best deal they can get. But this is what unions are essentially for. Like if they feel like they're you know being against you know if they feel like they're being abused. The union steps in and tries to make things right. You know, what your thoughts on unions are or not, I mean, the reason they were created originally, not to get all like political, the reason unions were created was because, you know, businesses were taking advantage of people Mm -hmm. and unions were a way to unite the people to stop it. Now you could argue then, then it goes back and forth all the time. And then unions became too powerful. And then the corporations needed to do more unions were like, and then, so then that's where the eternal struggle is that everyone's on opposite sides of nowadays in everything. But yeah. that's kind of where they came from. So the, we had to make a, a union for these guys, or they had to create a union because they felt like they were being taken advantage of. So
1: because they're essentially contracting themselves out, right? Well, and you know, just to put a little bit more detail, you know, the strike affects Electronic Arts, Insomniac Games, Activision, Disney, plus other corporations or companies. And I mean, I hate to say this, but I really worry about this union. I don't know how many, how many members they have, but I worry that this is going to, if they keep forcing the issue or trying to get things that are constantly denied by these companies, are those voice voice actors replaceable?
0: Yeah. And and they, they are absolutely replaceable. And the problem is that this isn't like a union at a, like a factory job or a union at a government job like this union isn't you don't have to be in this union to get work as a voice actor right so there's a whole bunch of freelance voice actors out there like on on their own website they basically say hey you know if you're part of the of our guild remember that you have you know we're on strike and we need to stay unified and then it says and if you're not part of it hey we could sure use your your support and also boycotting these guys right and so it's you know it's i don't know if it's a win for them necessarily like i don't know how it's going to come out hopefully they just work out a deal but what's also interesting is it's they're, they're like you said, they're freelance, they're contracted. So that's why they're actually, it's basically that guild boycotting certain companies. Yeah. It's, not bo- it's, not a, it's not a union boycotting the company that all the workers work for. It's, mm-hmm. it's definitely different. And uh, so hopefully that ends up working out. I don't know if that's similar to how it was with like the writer strike in Hollywood. For a while, that affected all the like our favorite right. shows, like Heroes and stuff. And it oh, and was... then
1: made so many, sh- oh. so many good shows get canceled.
0: Yeah, so many.
1: Well, let's hope they kiss and make up soon.
0: Yeah, we don't want that affecting any of our games, which I don't think it will. But let's hope. Not nothing soon, anyway. But nah, let's hope. <laughs> all right. So, what do we got up next?
1: Uh, well, recently Bethesda went public and said we're not going to sell our games earlier we're not going to give away games early to people to play for reviews or anything like that because we want everybody to get the game at the same time
0: yeah so they tried this this they first did this with doom and they basically didn't send out early review copies so for anybody who doesn't know the way things usually work in the game journalism business is that typically you will get an early review copy from the game. So you talked to the marketing people. I actually got a, a review copy of Witcher 2 once because uh, Joe and I had just started our our blog back then that we wanted to do. And, and you know, we contacted uh, um, CD Red or whatever and we're like, hey, you know, we're, we're a new blog starting out. We'd love to review your game. Can we play a demo of it early? And they actually gave us a full copy of the game. Oof. Uh, same with uh, Torchlight 2. They did. They gave us both two copies Because Joe had done some amazing Diablo videos, the Diablo three class videos before the game came out, because it was a beta for that. And our video, like Joe's video, had like eighty thousand views on it, just for the um, Demon Hunter. But so, so we we had a little bit of cred behind us, so we were able to use that. And so we got a free copy of Witcher two. And so, so basically, what you do is they they send you this copy like two weeks early, and then that's why if you frequent a lot of online sites, you'll see like reviews coming out a couple days before a game comes out or the day of a game comes up, And then you're like, well, how did you get to play this whole game if it just came out today? Well, That's not fair. fair. Well, typically, they've had the game early. So it is what it is. Like, they they got the game early. So what Bethesda did with Doom, and and apparently, like, there's a lot of back and forth in this, and a a lot of people are arguing that Bethesda is doing it because they've had a few stinkers that they've published, like games like Wet and some other ones, and like Hunted. Some other games that didn't do so well, and they're trying to... Diminish the possibility of negative reviews, so they don't lose sales. But which is kind of true, I think. But it also goes to a bigger issue, which is one. I feel like there is a little bit of entitlement when it comes to some of these reviewers and stuff. Like I remember when the PS4 was launching, and Adam Sessler had left. You know, he wasn't on like uh, G4. G4 was gone, and he had started like something. I was like, it's like R3 or Rec3 or something like that. Some other gaming channel, of course. And, uh, and, and he was like, he just slammed Sony for not giving, he's like, you know, this is our, they're telling us they're not going to give us, this is our livelihoods. And they're taking that away from us. And he seemed really entitled about the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a sense of that, you know? And so I understand where they're coming from. They feel like this is what they do for a living. And that if they can't get games early, that they won't get reviews out early. Now to be fair, if nobody gets games early, then everyone will have the reviews on the same day anyway. So you're not really losing out. Uh, But it's interesting to see the shift because there are a lot of people that don't play games, but they watch other people play games. And in their head, that's considered playing the games. And I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just saying I've talked to people in the store that I'll ask, hey, did you play this? Like, oh yeah, I did. Well, I didn't play it. I watched so-and-so play it on YouTube and it was awesome. And I was like, oh, okay, so... But to them that was playing the game. So you could see why they may not want to send out early copies and have people basically watching the game before it comes out and then not wanting to buy it. Sure. And then the but here's here's is the sketchy part about this article. So the problem with what they're doing is they're not just saying they're not giving out early copies. They're saying they're not giving out early copies to review websites. Oh. So here here's herein wow. lies the problem with the Skyrim remaster that just came out. You could, basically, you could look online, and there were people that had the game two weeks before it came out, and those people typically aren't reviewing it; they're only talking positively about it. So what they what people are arguing is that they're using Bethesda's only going to give copies of basically to paid shills that they know are going to say positive things. So one time, Jared told me a story. One time, that he was asked to do a review of the movie Kick Ass. When it came out. Okay. So someone contacted him and said, hey, would you do a video review in our movie Kick-Ass? And Jared, as he was still growing his channel back then, which he's still growing it today, but back then it was, you know, he was a little more desperate to grow. You know, like in the beginning, you're scratching a little harder. Yeah. He's like, okay. He's like, cool. And then he said, you know, and then basically that company came to him and said, just so you know, we expect this review to be in a completely positive light. You can't say anything negative about the movie. Can't do all this other stuff, blah, blah, And Jared, to his credit, said, never mind. (laughs)
1: I'm not going to do that.
0: Go to hell, basically. (laughs) I don't think he said it that nicely. I think he said it way worse than that. But, you know, for the show here, we'll keep it PG. But he, uh, so he basically told him uh, where to go. And so he didn't do that review. So the only people that are essentially going to get early copies of these Bethesda games are going to be people who would agree to something like that.
1: Well, and you know, and that just immediately reminds me, I'm seeing this more and more on Amazon where if I go look at a product, I was looking at uh, iPhone cases, like waterproof iPhone cases that would protect my phone if I got what, and every, it seemed like every single review that I looked at at the very beginning or at the very end would say, I received this product free for an unbiased review, mm-hmm. but all of them were positive.
0: Well, and it goes back to what I was saying last week, and I know we joked about how, you know, you would take everything for free, and like, I'm incapable, and I feel like most people are incapable of doing an unbiased review. I just, you know, it's really hard to get something for free, and then to understand the full weight of that purchase for the average consumer if you didn't pay for it. But again, I know people can like can step out of that and get it, you know. But I I just I can't see myself doing it. That's why I would never want to do it, you know. Or if I was if I did get something for free, I would still be able to tell you how much I would have paid for that game, you know. <laughs> like like with my whole like my review system is not a number system, by the way. Like if I ever do a review for you guys, you'll never hear like a oh it's a two out of ten or a five out of ten. It's gonna be I would pay sixty, I would pay forty, I would pay twenty, I would pay five dollars, I wouldn't pay anything for this game. That that's how my reviews work. So that way you can kind of. Because there's, you know, what we talked about, you know, games have a dollar per price pay, dollar, a, a fun per dollar price, mm-hmm. in my opinion, and you, you know, and you add that all together and you get a, a thing. And I think there was a website that used to do that, actually, that used to, like, take all these different categories and mash them together. And then they had a review that was like, this game's worth this much money based on the review. It was kind of oh, cool. It might have been an early Destructoid thing or something. It was years and years ago. I remember seeing it. But, um, but yeah, so I, I don't know that that does bother me a little bit. Because so many people do rely on reviews. But on the flip side, you know, again, this is a really early industry. Video game journalism hasn't been around that long. So we're still figuring out what works for everybody. But
1: reviews.
0: But but here's the thing. It's
1: been around for way longer. Well, true.
0: But, but but, But look at the difference now. Like before there were reviews, but before the internet, you didn't have people basically freelancing. Everybody's freelancing YouTube now so sure. you can give your game to you know 10 freelancers that are trying to get a, a name for themselves on their channel and then imagine that that guy they only give away maybe 500 early copies and this guy's only got 200,000 subscribers and he's one of the first people to have a skyrim video up for a remaster he gets extra hits Very you know true. some people are of questionable integrity when it comes to that stuff and so they won't care they're just <clears throat> excuse me they'll just say well i'll take i want i want the popularity i'll take it i can i'll do a review that doesn't say anything bad and then do you. Yeah. So, that's, true. so that, that's the only downside to it. And I, I'm disappointed that a company like Bethesda does that because they have a long running history of quality software. So I'll give them the benefit of the doubt for the most part, but this is just, it's disappointing, you know, but it's also hard to read about because <clears throat> there are so many people that just want free stuff. You know, they started a YouTube channel and they're like, well, I want free stuff. And they're calling marketing people be like, Oh, give me free stuff. Give me free stuff. Oh, I didn't get free stuff. And you know, and there's a lot of complaining when it comes (laughs) to that, but you know, but there are legitimate websites out there that work hard to do a service. And if it, if it impedes their ability to be successful, I, I find that frustrating too.
1: Well, and you know, like this destructoid article that we're referencing is very, it's, you know, just be upfront you know, Bethesda, just be up front with us. I think that a lot of the time you can you can release a game and and have people play it early, but don't do these kind of mind games where it's some people get it early, but not everybody. It's just just be straight with us. Yeah. If you're gonna if if you're going to be doing this, it just seems really shady to do it in the way that they're doing it right now. Where some people are getting it early.
0: So I just have to say, I just had a frog in my throat. So I took a sip of your, um, what it's is that? La-
1: it's Lacroix. Your, your, your sparkling water. It's okay. Apricot essence.
0: <clears throat> okay, it's apricot essence. You know, you know what that actually tastes like? What is if someone ate an apricot <laughs> and I was allowed to suck on the core? <laughs> <laughs> that that is so gross.
1: It is not gross. It's, it's delicious.
0: And I'm practically like dying of thirst here because I forgot my water bottle, and I that would save me. I would probably not drink that if it would save me in the desert. <laughs> Okay, anyway, let's get back You're
1: to it. Th- You're mean. He doesn't like any of my flavoured sparkling waters. And I will tell you, drinking sparkling water got me to stop drinking soda. Well that's
0: and and, and I I wish I liked it. It's
1: delicious. It's, LaCroix is oh, the is the bomb. So
0: gross. Okay, so Not gross. so anyway, but that's the you know, thumbs down on that. I, I think they could have been better about how they decided to do it, but
1: it's just, I just think that they need to be straight. Either they're not going to give anybody the game early or they're going to give it to some people. But don't say you're going to do one thing and then do another. And to me, that just doesn't seem like the Bethesda that I know and love. Yeah,
0: exactly. You know, but they got to protect themselves, I guess. But, you know, oh, if you if if you over, if you over overprotect yourself too much and then you hurt your customer base, that's not good, too.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, we're at our top story.
0: Story of the week.
1: Uh, do you play Grand Theft Auto online?
0: Not anymore. I <laughs> did for quite a while. I have some great stories. Um, I used to play online a good chunk, a fair, a fair amount, I would say. Me and Dave wilded out in the streets one time. Sure. We, we played it. We played it a bit.
1: Well, apparently, I've never played it. I, I've watched a lot of people play Grand Theft Auto san andreas isn't that one of them mm-hmm. or whatever he watched him beat up hookers and steal cars and <laughs> all that kind of he stuff. had to
0: go there right away
1: well that's what i remember it's not important <laughs> who
0: are you watching play this game that the, all they were doing was stealing cars and beating up hookers
1: well it's like every other it's like the only thing that happens I can t- during no
0: game. i can tell you right now i've played every grand theft auto ever i've never beaten up <laughs> one hooker and I understand that you can do that, and I'm not saying you can
1: pick up hookers and then yes, beat them up.
0: Yes, you can, and you can kill them and take your money back. Yes, all maybe of maybe it
1: was in high school.
0: All of that is true. <laughs> I'm just saying I've played every Grand Theft Auto from the very first original one on PC to all through and you've all never way through beat five. up a hooker. Never once have I beat up a hooker. Now that doesn't say that one of the people I randomly hit on the street was a hooker. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what their profession was. Okay, I just hit them with my car and drove away. I didn't have time to ask them (laughs) but but it's funny that people always go there and you're not the only one people always go there and they talk about that thing like that's the one thing that always sticks in people's mind and it is absolutely true it's just I always find it funny because I feel like that game is kind of a a personal reflection of the things you're capable of doing in your wildest dreams and so to me I'm like driving super fast and driving off cliffs and like jumping out of my car and all (laughs) this cool stuff and then these other guys are like oh man I just killed like a whole bunch of prostitutes (laughs) yeah but
1: okay but you have to like beat up a person to steal their car. Never appealed to me. Mm. I just, to me, I I'm not, I'm not.
0: We don't have to beat them up well to steal the you car. You just yank them out, yank
1: them out, and then throw them on the yeah. ground and then say, Sew.
0: When you get on a motorcycle, you just kind of like ninja kick them off, like
1: Pew. Pew. But anyway, anyway, Grand if, Theft Auto. If you did play Grand Theft Auto Online and you amassed mountains of in-game money through usage of exploiting the software and essentially modding it so that you got millions upon billions of in-game money hmm. a- dollars
0: aka through nefarious means cheating a game yes. literally called Grand Theft Auto <laughs> punishes yes. you for stealing money
1: well if you woke up on Tuesday <laughs> and you had a whole bunch of money that you got by cheating it was gone. It's gone, see it. They took it out.
0: It only took them like three years to do this, or two years, or whatever <laughs> it was.
1: But essentially, they're, uh, we're looking at a Kotaku article. Rockstar cracks down on GTA Online cheaters, deletes trillions...
0: Trillions of ...of dollars.
1: GTA dollars, and people are very upset <laughs> because they the gained all of this money <laughs> through cheating, and they're mad that Rockstar was like no, we're not going to let you do that anymore. And apparently, at least as of right now, people can't figure out how they know, how Rockstar knows that it's cheat money, but apparently they're really good at, at catching it because a lot of it is gone.
0: Yeah, I don't understand how that works either because and, and, uh, unless they found a new money cheat that maybe Rockstar uh, initiated or something. When I was playing initially, there was a cheat where you went into the garage and you like, you like, paid for upgrades to a car then like you drove it you did something weird to make the game load and it would basically load with the money you had from selling the car and then load you the car back and you could keep going in and selling the same car like a bunch to get a bunch of money so that, that's the cheat i remember hearing about i never did it because i don't care enough to cheat in those games and like i talked about a couple episodes ago i really hate cheat people who cheat online like i don't care if you put a code and get 10 million dollars in gta 5 and then you're just driving around buying all the houses who cares that's your game It doesn't affect me at all. If you're having fun that way, that's totally cool. In fact, I think that's great. But when you're in an online situation and you're playing with other people, you're ruining their experience.
1: Right. And and, you know, a lot of people are really happy to see Rockstar do this and remove all that non-legit money. But the people who had all that Mm non-legit money are not happy because they're all this money they amassed and they hadn't spent yet was gone. And they're trying to figure out what triggers it now. And they, they had literally billions of dollars. And to me, and we talked about this a little bit where is it really cheating or, or what's the benefit of doing this or why are people cheating? And really what it is is that people are, the the thing is, is, that people can amass a lot of money if they play the game a lot, and that's you know there's comments on this article that says you know I've made this this guy this user called High Frequency I've made two hundred and eighty plus million dollars doing heist missions every day. I have a good time and I have good teammates. And anybody who cries about this, you know, who cares? Because you can do all this 100% legit. But then there's other people who commented that said, you know, all that stuff is so expensive that if you want to get the best gear and the best cars and the best game or um, gameplay experience, that you need to cheat. And I Hmm. call shenanigans on that. Because I just don't think that that's... Yeah,
0: you you don't need to cheat. But I can understand... People are always looking for the easy way out. They're always looking for the... You know, it, it happens in every online game. Even World of Warcraft. There aren't really cheats. But people are always looking for the easiest way to exploit getting rep with people. They're always looking for the easiest way to exploit getting the best gear as fast as possible. Like, everybody does that. Um...
1: But to me, it's just, why? Why do you, why does it matter? Like, isn't it, maybe it's just, I, I have a really great work ethic and I feel a sense of accomplishment when I get something I really, really want. Yeah. If I put in the time and the effort to, to do it, it's, you know, with World of Warcraft is a good example and was the example that I talked about before. I really wanted this pet that was a drop in Dustwallow Marsh, it was killing a whole bunch of dragonkin.
0: Baby dragons. Well, killing a whole bunch of cute baby dragons. Well,
1: they were cute. They were little, like, cute little
0: baby dragons. Winged, yeah, go on.
1: Winged. I can't remember the name of it now. Of course, you
0: slaughtered an entire race what of you? creature. Yeah, what <laughs>
1: But anyway, I had to go around. It had like a 0.2 percent drop rate, and I went around for hours trying to get one. And when I finally did, there was this huge sense of accomplishment because I put in the time and the effort and the energy to do it. Mm-hmm. It's the same with, you know, really, really wanting to get, you know, a, a game or a, a piece of electronic, you, you know, like a laptop or something, it's something very material based where if you work for it. It's like when I went to my parents and I said that I wanted a car, they said, huh, that's nice. Go get a job. <laughs> so, I mean... And that was
0: a story of when you were eight years old. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I sold lemonade on the so... street. Nobody bought it. No, I never had a lemonade stand. Nah, me either. It was too much work. Nobody drove down our street.
0: Nah, we lived out in the country. Yeah, we would have gone broke real quick. We picked rocks and then my grandpa paid us in milkshakes. I think we got hosed on that deal, <laughs> or no? there were malts, me, but they were good malts. You know,
1: uh, well, I was circa do...
0: circa 20, thirty years ago. Yeah.
1: I, malts are one of my favorite things, so I would probably do. It's like the Klondike Bar thing.
0: <laughs> well, it's you know going back to it though, what you were saying was really interesting to me because you, you were spot on. It's how people are hardwired, and I'm not going to say someone's right or wrong for the way they want to play. But the way I'm hardwired to play and to do really everything in life is I want a sense of accomplishment. I have no problem working for things. But say you look at it in a real life standard. Like if I could win the lottery tomorrow and have a billion dollars, I would do that over That'd be nice. working a job, you know, for the rest of my life. So, you know, I understand where that kind of mentality comes from, but I'll never understand it when it comes to online competitive nature. Like people who cheat at a game like Call of Duty Online, you gain absolutely nothing from winning except the accomplishment of knowing you're the best but if you cheat you're not the best you cheated so i don't understand where people like why people cheat on online games like that i mean i guess maybe it's fun for them like to see other people crying about it like that whole internet troll thing but it's just it's always mind-boggling to me but it's how you're hardwired and some people are just hardwired to want the easy way out and they just want to what's the fastest way to be the most successful in the shortest amount of time the shortest amount of effort and that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just but that's how nothing, they're wired. That's
1: nothing to work towards then.
0: Well, and and for me, like that's why I love games like Dark Souls because it's so difficult that you have to you have to just bust your butt through the whole thing just so that you can get to the end and have that massive sense of accomplishment sure. that came out of the massive sense of dread of having to trudge through the whole thing. So it all goes hand in hand. But you know, it's funny is that they stopped it. That's the best part. Yes. Uh. So they stopped it. But I also would be the first to admit. I mean, the guy that you read the comment about earlier, like he makes a good point. You can do everything you want legitimately through the game. But when I started playing GTA Online, I just wanted to mess around. This was before heists were in the game. I was just messing around on the PS3 version. And online ammo is like four times as expensive. And your car blows up all the time. And you have to get your car fixed. So it just felt like there was no way to make money. As soon as I would kill a guy and take like the bounty on a guy and make the money, I had to go buy a bunch more ammo to fix my car, and I was out of money again. I just felt like I was scraping by. Just
1: like I, real life. I was just
0: going to say, it kind of parallels real life, right? <laughs> You're just scraping by until you get that you know, that one big job, that one big heist. But So I, I'm happy that they stopped it, but I can also appreciate there's balancing. And then what a lot of people are complaining about is that there is a pay-to-win model built into GT Online. You can buy money. With real human dollars. Mm. So, and you can buy these like coin packs and stuff. So, you know, obviously and it's in Rockstar's best interest to get the fake money out of the system so that people either buy those cards and keep the economy going. But, you know, on the flip side, I hate cheaters in online games. Like, if you want to cheat on your own time and have fun with it, go crazy. I think cheating in Grand Theft Auto is really fun. Like, I watched Mike used to do this all the time. He'd like drop a tank in, he'd go in the tank, and then he would drive, like, in, in Vice City, he would go off of, like a sharp hill and he would shoot the tank cannon and try to fly as far as he could because the tank cannon was, like, (laughs) propelling him. And then he would get, like, six stars, and we would make a game out of it. We would boost ourselves to six stars and then see who could make it across town Mm. with, like, the full police and military on your trail. So, you know, so there's some fun stuff with cheat codes and stuff like that, but in an online competitive environment, it's just not right. It's not fair, and, you know, it shouldn't shouldn't come down to whether it's okay or not because it's not okay. But... You know, again, in an online competitive market. If you guys want to cheat in your single-player games, have fun. I just hate when people cheat when I'm trying to play online. That's all.
1: Right. And I think really what it comes down to is that, you know, when you're claiming that it's necessary to cheat in order to get all the best stuff, I, I really do call shenanigans on there. Because, I mean, there's a phrase that that we say at work, which is, you gotta wanna. And you got to want to have the best stuff, but you got to want to work for it. Yep. There's no other way, no other way to do it. It's just it's you don't get that sense of accomplishment and that feeling of wow, look how long that took me. Look how hard I worked in order to get this thing, and it means so much more. And then you have this jerk come in and he just cheated his way through it. Right. And then he doesn't know how to play. <laughs>
0: i'm trying to find what what the title of the event was called did you see that like it was this awesomely long name that i'm trying to find it was called like the the, the oh
1: the gta online october 2016 illegitimately gained in-game money removal
0: <laughs> yep that's what it was called that's great <laughs> today's purge yeah
1: yeah and so that was on Tuesday so a lot of people aren't unhappy and all of them are cheaters
0: and you know what they'll you know what they're gonna do they're just gonna find a new way to do money of and then they'll keep that money until they lose it and then for them it'll be a game and they'll just keep doing it.
1: Like I said, they probably did something in their own databases so that they would know right away if that money was legitimate or not because sometimes when you're doing these kind of hacks or these mods or, or whatever there's there could be some sort of serial number, or ID, some sort of um, primary identifier to to mm-hmm. say this is actually legitimate versus this was just shoved into the system or, or whatever it might be. Um, so I think they've probably figured out, which is probably why it took them so long, because they probably were trying to figure out an absolutely foolproof way for people not to be able to cheat. Hmm. That's my theory for why it took them as long as it did.
0: Huh? They mm-hmm. probably knew
1: it was an issue way before now.
0: I think they were trying to figure out how to separate it. You that's know, like, what yeah, I mean. You know, yeah, how so separate they had to the be fake able from to legit. yeah to do that. But yeah, so that that's uh you know I think that's hilarious though, and yeah. I love that They kind of did a little tongue in cheek there, and they were trying to make it like a you know. A sorry, funny, you're funny
1: a thing. dirty, dirty cheater.
0: Yeah. Sorry, you're a cheater, but we don't care.
1: Okay, I think we have
0: listener questions. We probably okay. have time for let's do two. We got let's time for two? two.
1: Okay. Uh, Do you have a preference?
0: Let's do one from Rick there.
1: Where are the other ones? Oh, I've got the other ones up (laughs) here, so you're fine. (laughs) All right. Uh, Greg, Rick asks you, what is the most obscure console or handheld that you personally own? Mm.
0: Okay, so I'm looking at the closet right now, and I have a whole bunch in here, so let me try to pick out a few. So, and I have them all boxed. So my rarest consoles are going to be... I have the Metal Gear Solid 5 PS4, brand new in the box. Never opened it. Um, I have the, the, probably the most rare handheld I have is the Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater 3DS from Japan. It actually feels like snakeskin.
1: Ooh, creepy. Yeah, so
0: like when you pull it out, the three DS is textured like snakeskin. It's totally, it's totally cool. Yeah. And then I also have the Twin Snakes GameCube imported from Japan hey, uh, in Craig, the box. Okay, how
1: about something that's not Metal Gear related? Okay, so for, <laughs>
0: for, for people that don't like Metal Gear, I don't know who that would be. Um, we, uh, my rarest system's probably that black PS2 there. So I have a test PS2. So it was, uh, it's kind of cool because it's a PS2 that's region free. And can play burn discs. I mean, I'm not big on piracy, clearly, since I own my own video game store. But I thought it was really cool that it was region free. It was a it was a test model PS2 that like game developers would use. It's not actually a development kit, but it's a system that could play burn discs. So um, like a test unit. It's pretty cool. And so if you look at like it's an old fat style black PS2, and on the front normally it would say PS2 and like blue letters. Yeah, I
1: like that. It this says, says test. test. Yeah, really it's cool. it's really
0: cool and uh, it's really well made and. It's cool, Yes, yeah, so that's my favorite, and I've got that one um, modified as well, which is pretty cool. But nice. yeah, so th- those would be my rarest systems, um, and then I've got the, yeah, yeah that's probably about it. Is. I've got a ColecoVision, I've got, yeah, you know, but that's what I would say is my, my most rare ones. There's my, my Metal Gear imported consoles, and then uh, that test PS2 is pretty sweet.
1: Thanks for asking. I don't have any rare. Uh...
0: Yeah. Jen, what is your rarest video game console? <laughs>
1: I don't have any. Okay. I mean, I have consoles, but not any rare ones. I mean, I've got your typical GameCube and PlayStation 2, mm-hmm. the Slim PS2, and uh, I had a Game Boy Color once, and a Game Boy.
0: So, the second question <laughs> comes from, <clears throat> excuse me, from Lana and uh, the question is, what's a series that hasn't had a new entry in a while that you'd like to see a current-gen sequel-slash-reboot? Is there anything you can think of right away? I have mine. If you yeah. have yours.
1: Give me a moment to think about it. Okay. Let's, what's yours? So
0: mine, and, and there's a bunch, of course, uh, but I would say Animusha. So Animusha was an obscure PS... Not really obscure. It was just a good PS2 game that came out uh, uh, for the PS2, and it was made by Capcom, and it was originally, uh, it was made by, like, you know, the original Resident Evil guy. It, had this, it feels just like Resident Evil, except it's got this, like, medieval, like, samurai sort of tone to it. Ooh. Really cool, really dark. It's got demons, and you fight monsters. Really good game. They ended up having three in the main trilogy, and then they released, like, a couple more games. One was, like, a, a fighting game. And, like, they kind of milked it very, but it was all in the PS2, with the exception of Animusha Tactics for GBA. So I'd like to see that come back. I'm very surprised I didn't do an HD collection. Uh, but yeah, so that's what I'd like to see. A new Animushi game, or at least a a compilation disc of all of them together would be awesome.
1: Honestly, I would have said A Boy and His Blob, but they did make it They
0: did remake. do that on the Wii. They did put that on the Wii.
1: If, not, if, if anybody knows me, they know that A Boy and His Blob is probably my favorite game, but I still don't really know how to play it very well.
0: That game gives you zero <laughs> instruction. No. And then, and then it lets you do whatever you want. Like, we just put a hole in the floor and fell through the subway and then died. I, don't, then I still don't feed, know what we're doing.
1: Well, and then you feed your blob jelly beans, yeah. and then it turns into different things. But no, I... I I mean I'm I'm thinking of of games that I've played but a lot of them have had sequels that are uh, maybe not sequels but new generation or Mm -hmm. um, iterations of that of that video game. What
0: were some of the really fun games you liked watching or playing when you were really young? That's that's the best way to think about it. Go way back. So like obviously you know you played Zelda and stuff, but what else was there around that time?
1: I mean Shadowgate was the other one.
0: Shadowgate, see that'd be awesome. I think they actually did do like a PC kind of like reboot of that and they did a sixty four version, but that would be great.
1: Honestly, there's one game that I would really like to not necessarily see uh, another version, but I would like to see a reboot, and it was an old PC game called Hellcab.
0: Okay, see I have, n- <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about right now, so I'm but excited basically, to Basically,
1: it was like this this game where you had to travel to different places within New York City and your uh your cabbie was like a demon. I, okay. I don't really remember, and the problem was is that when I played it, there was something wrong with the way that it was installed. It, we had too, too advanced of a version of Windows or something. Okay. And so we, we didn't really have the audio. So I really just saw the guy turn around and like his mouth was moving. And I had to guess what the game was about. But <laughs> that's what I've gathered. But I would really like to see that as um, a remade game. Because yeah. I... I would really like to play it and, like, play it, like, for real. I want to
0: play it now. Like, I want to get a DOS box emulator and just play it on my current (laughs) PC.
1: I would love to play that game again because, like I said, it was was interesting and I I know the general premise, but, like, just the gameplay itself was unknown to me or I don't remember.
0: Sounds pretty great to me. Well, thanks everybody for the questions. That's the show for the day. And That's it. Um, we, we are banking a bunch of questions. So we're trying to you know keep them for when we have maybe a slow news cycle, we can answer more questions. So every question that gets asked on the Facebook page or emailed to us or tweet at us, we do keep track of them all. So if you didn't hear your question answered, we will most likely get to it hopefully within the next couple weeks. Definitely. We try to keep them in order <clears throat> that we receive them. But sometimes a question so good, you just got to answer it. <laughs> but uh, remember you can tweet at Game Talk Radio or at Game gen Yeah. Or you can email us at GameTradeLC at gmail.com and you can of course message us on Facebook on the Game Trade page and we'll always hit you there. And we uh, do have a Facebook page for Game Talk Radio as well. Which we'll be sharing uh, on the Game Trade page pretty soon too, just so we don't have to spam the poor Game Trade people with with the <laughs> podcast every week. Even though I I love uh, everyone listening. So uh, once again, that was episode six. We appreciate everybody, and we'll see you later. Bye.